This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shot flew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. That was Kansas. Let's play the game tonight. This is This Week in Tennis. My name is Phil Nasons, and I'm the host of this weekly syndicated radio program. It's the only tennis show that is syndicated. You can catch us every single day at Max Sports Channels and again on the 405 Media, the talk alternative. 
They generally play the show daily on Max Sports Channels at 5 o'clock right before my daily show. And they play the show every day on the 405 Media at various times. So you want to go over to those websites and check things out. we got a lot to do. we got a short time to do it. And joining me to talk a little tennis is Craig Doyle. Craig, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing very well, Phil. Um, looking forward to the show again today. And I'd just like to give a quick shout-out to your man, Johan Creek, last week for giving us a shout-out on his Facebook and Twitter feed. He certainly did. Sure, I think he was pretty happy about it. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? You know? Somebody wrote to me and said, you sound so gushy. Are you looking for a job? No, I have a job. What do you think I'm doing now? But... Uh, no, uh, you know what? The honest to goodness truth is he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I said this last week. I'll say this again. Tennis, you know, folks that listen to this, are a lot of them are tennis fans, and, and they get angry with me because I say things a certain way. Well, I've been in the industry for 30 years. I, I view the tennis in a different way. And, and one of the things that we notice quickly is, is, is who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And, and you know what? Everybody has issues with somebody. You know, it, it's the way the world works. But... Honestly, when you want to, you won't meet a nicer guy both on and off the court than Johan Creek and a more deserving person. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I don't care if I didn't like Johan Creek, but I do, obviously. But I would still trump for him if he, or for, for anyone really, who've won two majors and have been overlooked by the most prestigious honor in the game, and that's to be in the Hall of Fame. And not to disparage anybody, but Michael Chang's in there. And to be honest with you, he didn't even make it to world number one, I don't think. And neither did Johan, but Johan's got two majors in his back pocket. Michael Chang's only got one. So there's something not right with all of that. Obviously, Michael probably deserves to be in there. I don't want to anger all his fans and his fan base. But the truth be told is that I would rather, and I'm not disparaging Mike. I've known Mike for years. I won't disparage Mike, but here's the deal. I would rather hang out with Johan Creek than Michael Chang. <laughs> sorry. And I'd rather see Johan, someone like Johan Creek in there anyway. So that's why we said what we said. That's why I said what I said. And big thanks, Johan, for pumping up the show for us. And I don't know if my co-host is over there today because he doesn't respond half the time. But uh, this is hard for me to do radio when this happens, folks. But uh, we've got some stuff to talk about today, and Rafael Nadal has returned to the scene, and luckily for us, he ran his mouth again. And we like it when he does that, because it's hilarious. And this week, he's in Beijing, and he's winning, he's complaining, and I was on the phone, or I'm sorry, I was at the bus stop today, Craig, with a gentleman who played tennis at Akron University, and he was asking me, why is it that these guys cry so much? Why do these millionaires cry, Craig? Um, I guess it's just in their nature. They want to, you know, have everything suit themselves. The uh, the more they get, the more they cry, so they can get even more. Um, my assumption here is that you're talking about Rafael Nadal complaining about the different tennis balls in China this week, which seems to be one of the major news topics uh, since his return. Well, yeah, you know, this is what he had to say. The ball is so bad here. If you throw the ball on the floor, the bounce goes everywhere. That's really technically a court, Raphael, just in case you're wondering. It's not a question of winning or losing. I won in Rio with this ball. It's just that we're competing at the top level of our sport, tennis. Thanks for clearing that up for us. 
and the ball is an important thing. And he's complained before. He's always crying about head because, well, you know, they're competitors with Babylon. I think that has a lot to do with it. This week, we're playing with one ball. Next week, we're playing with a different ball. That's dangerous for the shoulder, dangerous for the elbow. Now, Head is the corporate sponsor of the ATP Tour, and they are also the uh, main ball manufacturer. What, what is he crying about? He's crying about nothing, to be honest. Um, you know, he seems to have a record of having issues with balls. He had, he had a problem with the Babalat balls at the French Open one year. They were too quick for him, or they didn't favor his play style or something. Um, this week the ball bounces differently to whatever ball he's been practicing with last week when he was uh, injured or whatever. He's really just, to me, he's just looking to get an advantage for himself, whether it's uh, an actual advantage, which is unlikely, or a psychological one, um, to make it seem like he's got more sway in decisions than his opponents do. I don't know, but to be honest, it, it seems like a big non-story for me, and it seems like he's whinging about nothing. But he's whinging. You know, this is the problem with the tour. And this is what this guy told me. He goes, I don't even want to watch this stuff anymore because all they do is moan. And then he brought up and got me geeked up about ruining Super Saturday because guys like Novak Djokovic cried about it. And now they have ruined Super Saturday. And I mean, these guys are going to ruin the sport. They're already privileged. And I understand they don't want to play with the different balls all the time. It's fair enough. But you just go and do what you got to do. And why do you have to ridicule the tournament? Because it's the tournament's decision. It's not the manufacturer. It's not the tour. It's the tournament has the right to do that. Why do you got to publicly bash a tournament who is probably very good to him, including probably kicking him some cash for being there? And I don't understand it. But what I, <laughs> but here's, here's the best part of this whole thing is Andy Murray, who, by the way, won his first tournament of the year, I believe, last week. Big shout out. I guess Amelie Moresmo is paying off dividends, it seems. But, uh, this is what Andy Murray had to say, and this is why I just have no respect for some of these guys. If you want to see consistently high-level tennis, it's very difficult when you're changing balls from week to week because they all react differently. Now, he says this after winning two and two. And then here's, the, here's what I just die laughing about. I'm sure if you gave golfers a different ball to play with every week, it would take them time to adjust to that as well. Okay, let me... <laughs> What a stupid guy. Okay, they actually do that. Sometimes they change balls in the middle of a round. You know, they, they don't have a specific ball that they use. Okay, Andy, I know that you're not the most clever guy out there, but cheapers, I mean, what's with these guys? Craig, he's from your country, for God's sakes. Yeah, we actually in this country play with the, the same ball all the time. You know, we bring our own ball to the matches and, we, you know, we just hit with that one ball. But uh, no, realistically, this is getting ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, what, what do these guys want? Do they, they want to handpick the balls that they want to play with before the match? Uh, you know, do, do they want to pick their opponent's racket for them? It, it, it's getting a little bit crazy now. Um, I think we've got to respect that each tournament's individual. They have their individual type of ball, they have their individual court surface, etc. And, uh, you know, these guys should be grateful they're playing on this tour, earning the amount of money that they are, and uh, learn to adapt. Because that's what we want to see. We want to see different balls, different courts, um, different tennis. We don't want to see the same court, the same ball, the same bounce every week of the year. Otherwise, it would be rather boring, and the same player would win non-stop. Well, what he probably wants is to play on clay, 
because they'll uh, be nicer to him come uh, cup dropping time if you get my drift. And uh, he can just slip and slide around there and bully people and win matches. I, it doesn't. It's not the way it is, and it, it's unfortunate. But it, it it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths, and they don't want to watch these kind of crybabies. Who wants to watch a guy who's who's got a hundred million dollars whine? I don't get it. And Andy Murray, Jeepers, I wish he would just. No, I'm glad he talks because it gives us something to talk about other than some of this stuff that we see. He's just something. He really is, Craig. And uh, you know, the ball is important. But so is bad mouth in a tournament. You shouldn't do that. You know, biting the hand that feeds you rarely pays off. I guess in these guys' case it does because they can get away with it. And it's really sad that they do, dude. It really is. I, they've just ru they're ruining the sport step by step by step. And it's just not good. If they can't play with different balls, what are they doing out there? Of course they can do it. They don't want to. They want everything their way. And it's very embarrassing. You know, I'm embarrassed for them. Just shut up and play tennis. That's what you get paid a lot of money to do. Shut up and play tennis, Greg. That's it. Yeah, uh, completely. I agree. You know, there's too much talk at the moment and uh, not enough tennis. Let's play some tennis. Yeah, unless you get paid to talk. And then you can say what you need to say. Other than that, zip it. Because it's just stupid. I mean, you're putting people off is what they do. And... uh it is what it is. Now, the race to qualify for London. Novak Djokovic is in first place. Roger Federer is probably going to be there. Rafael Nadal has 6,600 points. Stanislaus Wawrinka is in fourth spot with 4,700. Marin Silic has got 3,900. Kane Ishikori, 3,800. David Ferrer at 3,500. Burdich at 3,510. He's only 25 points from the seventh spot. Young Milos Rayanic is at 34.40, and Andy Murray at 34.05. Andy Murray is not going to even make it to London, is he? Oh, it's going to be close. Um, just judging on this week's results, well, Ferrer went out first round. Um, Murray's still in. Raonic is still in. Berdic is still in this week. Nishikori is still in this week. Um, two big tournaments, Masters 1,000 levels to go. I think it's going to come down to who does best in those uh, two big tournaments coming up. And they look like they're going to be, what, everyone from fifth place to eighth place, four spots left. You know, there's possibly six, seven guys playing off for four spots. It's going to be very, very tight. It could be. You know, I still think Milos might have a shot. He plays well at the end. Burdich, too. I don't know. Uh, maybe Joe Willifrey's Sanga. He might get a sneak in there, too. That would be interesting to see. You know what would be more interesting, Craig, is if the race to qualify wasn't London and Madison Square Garden instead, the mecca of sports. They need to bring it back to the United States. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's, you know, this ATP Tour Finals in London, I think it's had its day. Um, people have become a bit too used to it, so it's it's not selling tickets like it used to. So it's time to move it on again. Is Madison Square Garden a place to go? Would it sell out uh, better than the O2 Arena? Yeah, I think it probably would. Uh, I think it's time for the change, so why not Madison Square Garden? It's where it used to be. 
back in Johan Creek's day, that used to be fun too, and it used to be played in January, right after the U.S. or the Australian Open. But uh, yeah, it's the mecca of sports, and the exchange rate is great. So you folks out in Europe can get over there and uh, get some extra dollars out of the deal and uh, do some extra shopping. It'd be perfect. I mean, what's an O2 Arena for God's sakes? What is an O2 Arena? But when you say uh, Madison Square Garden, <laughs> it's the mecca of sports. Well, you should see this O2 Arena. It's actually in a part of London that's very, very isolated from the rest of the city. Uh, when you go out there into that east end of London, it really is the only thing there. Um, it's uh, an entertainment complex, but, um, you know, there's, there's nothing else there. I, I've been several times, and other than the hotel and the arena, that's it. You know, you've got a long trip into London, you want to go anywhere else. Very, very isolated. You won't be isolated at the garden. If you're down there, you can you can shop. You can get a hot dog in the street. It's a beautiful thing. You could even take in a Knicks game, maybe. Well, I guess they wouldn't be able to have the Knicks play there if uh, if there's a tennis tournament. And they won't be able to see the Rangers either. But that's okay. I, I want to see it come back to, to New York, to the United States, because I think it would be helpful for U.S. tennis. Because how many people, you folks listening, send us an email, let us know, how many of you actually watch the ATP finals when it's in London with the time difference and the fact that there won't be any Americans there? But would you watch it if it were in New York, even if there weren't any Americans? Let us know. You can hit us up at phil at philnasonsshow.com. Let me know. Or leave a comment in the com box or on my Facebook page. Yes, no, maybe. Would you still watch it? Or would you watch it in New York without an American? I bet you would. I know I would. Because this time difference is crazy. What time does it what time do the matches usually start there in London, Craig? Uh, they have two sessions a day. I think the first session starts at twelve thirty in the afternoon, and then the evening start session starts at six. 6.30 in the evening. So that's uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon here in the east. Yeah. Yeah, see, people are at work. Where in Europe, you know, you can sneak away and do that. Most people still watch the U.S. events because they, they come on pretty much at a perfect time. You know, So if they started at noon, that would be uh, 7 o'clock in the evening. So uh, that's not bad. Yeah, for the global audience perspective, it probably would be better in uh, Madison Square Garden somewhere on the East Coast because you're going to get the European audience tuning in, you'll get the American audience tuning in, you're going to get a higher percentage of people watching, uh, whereas this the UK Times kind of makes it difficult for the American audience to tune in. It's uh, It's unfortunate, but that's how it is until the contract runs down at the O2 Arena. And when does that run down? Next year, right? It was, but I think it possibly has been extended uh, a couple of years. So it won't, it won't leave London until after I die? <laughs> uh, possibly not that long, but uh, chances are it's probably about 2017, 2018 before it leaves. Well, it might as well be dead before it happens. U.S. US tennis is dead. At least the men's side. One side it isn't dead, though, is the women's side, my friend. The WTA, the race 
to Singapore, another tournament that should be at the Madison Square Garden, the mecca of sports. You've got Serena at the top spot, Maria Sharapova, Simona Halep, Petra Kitova, Eugenie Bouchard, Agneska Radwanska, Caroline Wozniacki, and Anna Ivanovich are the top eight. And there is a big gap between Ivanovich and someone you think a lot of, Angeliki Kerber. So it looks like we've got our eight for Singapore, right? It does, although I have heard that Serena may drop out, given that she's just picked up an injury. So that could open up the door for somebody else. But uh, fingers crossed that that injury isn't too bad and she does make it. And it would be hard to disagree with that eight that you have just given us because those have been the eight best players on the tour this year by far. Yeah, they have been. If Serena doesn't play, what's the point in watching it? I'm not going to watch it. In Singapore, what time would it be in Singapore? It's uh, Let's see, it would be probably about 11 or 12. It's probably midnight there now. Again, daytime, I'm in the studio. So I won't be able to see that one either. They really screwed us up with all this foolishness. And again, I lost my co-host. But uh, So what do you got there? We've got the top eight. Now, if Serena's not there, who wins? If Serena's not there, I think Sharapova probably. Um, not been in the best of form, but, you know, it's a big enough tournament that she'll probably take interest in it. If I worked my way up from the bottom, Ivanovic, nah, not for me. Wozniacki tries hard, probably not. Bouchard probably won't get it over the line. Radwanska runs around a lot. Lina's already retired, so that kind of leaves us with Halep, who's not recorded a big win yet. Kvitova, who's playing pretty well. And Sharapova, who I think would be my favorite. I think you'd probably see Kvitova versus Sharapova in the final if Serena's not there. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to take Eugenie Bouchard to win the whole kit and caboodle if Serena's not there. I, I, she's, a, she's a breath of fresh air for the game, really. You know, she interacts with the fans and she does her thing and she's a nice girl and whatever. And I, I think it'd be great. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki, uh, apparently there's, she, her fan base has increased. The ladies out there love her. And I see guys who know nothing about tennis or rip on her ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance or whatever. So there's some uh, interest in this. Uh, Kitova, you know what? She might get in there, huh? She could. Simona Halep, it's probably her time, more than likely. But, gosh, I don't know, man. I'm going to go with Bouchard if, if, if it all shakes out the way that it has or the way that it looks. I'm going to take Bouchard in this one. That's a bold choice, my friend. I'd take that one down to the uh, bookmaker and make yourself some cash with the flash. I would do it for sure. You're going to get some pretty good odds. And, you know, but you still got a couple weeks before this whole thing occurs. So, and we'll be talking about it a little more in depth when it does happen. But if it were me, and I was a betting person, I would be curious to see what Bouchard's uh, getting these days in the uh, odds department. I bet you she's at 20. To, I, bet if, I bet if they post them, which I don't think they do yet, I bet she's 20, 25 to 1 to win. 
I'm sure she is. I was just about to dial it up and see if I can get an odds on it. But uh... You dial it up while I yap, because we know that you don't do two things at once very well. <laughs> these, these folks, these Scottish folks out there, he's very kind, you know, but uh, radio, we get too much dead air. That's what They've been complaining to me about that. You got to talk more because your partner doesn't. Okie dokie. So anyway, we've got a great little thing. So I would say she's got to be, Craig, 20, 25 to 1. And, and I would think this Halep, I think this would be a sucker bet. I bet I bet she's what five to one, six to one. Yeah, she's a big favorite with the bookmaker at the moment. Uh, just I think the bookmaker takes into account the uh, the rankings when they look at things like this. So um, Halep is a big favorite, despite the fact that, uh, as I said earlier on, she's not managed to land the big one yet. Um, you know, bookmakers covering himself and not giving you good odds on Halep for this one. Yeah, okay, but what's Bouchard? I don't have a number yet, my friend. Um, looking at, uh, here we go, I've got a 12 to 1 being quoted to me. 12 to 1, eh? That's kind of, that's not too bad. I wasn't too far off. I bet you it'll be, I'll bet you it'll be higher. As as more money pushes Halep's way, it'll probably jump up. Wait another week out there, folks. If it gets to 15, 16 to 1, jump on it like with both feet. You won't. It, she's going to play well, I'm sure. She probably wants to. A lot of those gals are tired by this time of year. And I don't think it... You know what? I To me now, I don't know this for a fact, but it appears, just by what I see from past uh, WTA finals, they just don't seem to care so much, do they? No, it's, uh, it's, it's a very strange tournament, both the men's and the women's tour finals tournaments, just because it's not quite a grand slam. It's not quite a masters to some of these these players it, it you know it's the last sort of event on the year it's kind of like you got to turn up for it because you qualified but uh it, it doesn't hold that sort of prestige and the big players sometimes just kind of shrug their shoulders and say yeah sure we'll come but uh you know i'll start playing a little bit more towards my top level should i reach a final or semi-final this these group stages if i don't get out of group you know whatever you know next tournament I'm looking forward to a break, playing some exhibitions, making some cash elsewhere. You know, it's uh, it's sometimes it's not the best spectator experience either, and it's it's a shame, you know. Yeah, it is. You know, back in the old days, it, those kind of tournaments still mattered because it was extra cash. You know, guys didn't make seven, eight million dollars a year playing tennis. So winning that final was was a good thing, and being the year end number one. I wonder, you know what? It would be to me be more interesting, and probably for the players if they made that, especially in the guy side, because they they seem really not to care. If they made that, the winner ends the year number one. That would make for an interesting tournament then. That would certainly make uh, it, it would certainly put the pressure on those guys at the top. It would give an incentive, something extra to play for. Um, you couldn't just turn up and phone in your performances. And I, I think the fans would enjoy that as well because you've got some real competition out there. Um, sometimes you watch some of these group matches between you know players five and seven or six and eight or whatever. And it almost feels like an also-run match, a bit of an exhibition. There's not anything on the line. None of these guys expect to go into the next phase. It's... You know, people are paying good money for a ticket and they want to see some excitement. They want to see some shot making, some intensity, and you've you got to have an incentive to get that from the players. So, yeah, I think you're right. 
get let, let's have an incentive in there. Let's get these guys playing for something. Yeah, but then they'll start crying too, and they want to change all the rules. So yeah, I, but I, I think they need an incentive. After all, that million dollar first prize isn't much of one apparently. So it is what it is. But Craig, we burned through another show. Great stuff today. Thanks for being on it with me. No problem, Phil. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to joining you again next week. And that you will. That was Craig Doyle. You can find him at Craig Doyle Photography. Dot com. Until next week, enjoy the tenants.